We turn in God's Word this evening to the book of 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles chapter 28. 2 Chronicles chapter 28. And we'll be reading verses 1 through 11, although I certainly invite you to keep the passage open as we'll be referring to it as well as other passages. And then later in the message we'll continue reading from chapter 28 as well. Here is God's breathed out word to us this evening. Ahaz was 20 years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. And he did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord as his father David had done. But he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel. He even made metal images for the Baals. And he made offerings in the valley of the son of Hinnom and burned his sons as an offering. According to the abomination of the nations whom the Lord drove out before the people of Israel. And he sacrificed and made offerings on the high places and on the hills and under every green tree. Therefore, the Lord his God gave him into the hand of the king of Syria, who defeated him and took captive a great number of people and brought them to Damascus. He was also given into the hand of the king of Israel who struck him with great force, for Pekah, the son of Ramaliah, killed 120,000 from Judah in one day. All of them men of valor, because they had forsaken the Lord, the God of their fathers. And Zichri, a mighty man of Ephraim, killed Maseah, the king's son, and Azakam, the commander of the palace, and Elkanah, the next in authority to the king. The men of Israel took captive 200,000 of their relatives, women, sons, and daughters. They also took much spoil from them and brought the spoil to Samaria. But a prophet of the Lord was there, whose name was Oded. And he went out to meet the army that came to Samaria and said to them, Behold! Because the Lord, the God of your fathers, was angry with Judah, he gave them into your hand. But you have killed them in a rage that has reached up to heaven. And now you intend to subjugate the people of Judah and Jerusalem, male and female, as your slaves? Have you not sins of your own against the Lord your God? Now hear me and send back the captives from your relatives whom you have taken. For the fierce wrath of the Lord is upon you. Thus far the reading of God's word. Let's again bow in prayer. Our dear Heavenly Father, it is indeed good to come into the house of the Lord, to raise our praises to you, to worship you, to give you glory, and to give you honor. We take a look at the world today, and we see that not much has changed from back in Israel's day. We see that very few people still today give you honor and give you glory. In fact, they do everything to rile against you. But Lord, we know that you are on the throne, that you are in control, that none of this 
is a surprise to you. So we pray that you will give Pastor Bob the words that he will need to bring your message to us. May we have open ears, open hearts. May we receive that word and then take that word out into the world to, in some small way, spread your word to, to those who don't know and haven't heard. We just ask these things in Christ's holy name. Amen. And amen. Thank you, brother. So, maybe some of you took the time when the bulletin gets sent out uh, to look up the various passages. Maybe you actually read through the bulletin when you get it there, or maybe you read through it this morning. Maybe you took a moment uh, this afternoon to look up Second uh, Chronicles 28 and to read through it. But my question would be, how many of you, prior to any of that that has occurred uh, since yesterday, would have even known that there is a man by the name of Oded in the Bible? Had you ever heard it before, and uh, do you understand or did you know the circumstances and situation in which Oded lived? Did you know there's more than one? There's actually two men in Scripture whose name is Oded. Both of them occur in the book of Second Chronicles. Uh, the first one, who is not the one we're dealing with this evening, is, is found in Second Chronicles, I believe it's chapter 15, but he's basically just referenced as the father of a prophet, a guy by the name of, I believe it was Azariah. And, and so, yeah, he's mentioned, but that is sort of the in-passing type mention. Here, we, we have the Oded that we might say has and plays... Uh, a little larger role in the history of God's people. And yet, as I've read about this and reflected on it, wrote the sermon and so on, I, I've come to, to see this man as a man, even as a Brother Nate prayed, a man of our day. This is who we need. We need Odeds. This is what the world desperately needs. This is what our nation desperately needs. A man, a prophet of the Lord in Samaria. So let's unpackage some of this tonight as far as uh, the importance of it uh, for us today. But in order to do so, we have to understand the hostile world in which Oded is ministering. The world was a hostile place. We could think about that in terms of other nations that are existing at this particular time. In particular, in chapter 28 of 2 Chronicles, four nations are mentioned. Edom is mentioned, and so is, are the Philistines. Verse 17. For the Edomites had again invaded and defeated Judah and carried away captives. And the Philistines had made raids on the cities of the Shephelah and the Nagab of Judah and had taken Bashemish along with others. That those two nations, Edom and the Philistines, are, are sort of like thorns. They're, they're just, they're, they're hostile nations to God's people. And, and they're always there just kind of jabbing away, 
choking away, needling away. And, and, and it's an irritant. But they're hostile. They don't want either Israel or Judah to be in existence. They want to take them over. But they're small at this particular juncture. But there are two other nations that are mentioned in 2 Chronicles 28 that are coming on the scene as world powers. Syria, which perhaps is the world power, but is in decline. And Assyria, which is the rising tide. Both of those nations, Syria and Assyria, are vying for world dominance. Babylon is starting to rise, but it's, it, it's somewhat in the distance from this. So the two we, that are really the major players are Syria, Assyria, who are hostile to God's people. They're hostile to God. They are pagan idolaters, along with the Edomites and along with the Philistines. So the world in which, the world in which Oded is a prophet, is a hostile world. It's not friendly at all. But then as we narrow it down, Oded also ministers at a time when the nation of Judah is in moral decline. We're given that at the beginning of the chapter. That's Ahaz. He's a horrible man. You, you can read about him as well in 2 Kings 16, 1 through 4, that later on in chapter 28, there is more about him that comes up. The horror of what he is like, the evil, the acts. But that in which we read, sacrifices his own children in the valley of Hinnom, follows after the practice of the, the Edomites and their God Molech. He's, he's set up not just temporary images to the Baal. See, that's what, that's what many other kings of Israel had done. They set them up, but the, the interesting thing is Ahaz is mentioned as a king of Judah who is now into Baal worship. See, we'd expect this in Israel. They're, they're, these guys are all bad anyway. But now it's in the line of David. Now it's in Judah, and this Ahaz has not just made, as it were, sort of temporary. He's made him out of metal. He wants there to be a permanency. This is a true change that is being attempted on the nation of Judah. He is trying to change the religion of Judah forever. That's why the images are metal. But notice the extent, verse 4. He sacrificed, made offerings on the high places and on the hills. And then this expression, and under every green tree. In other words, he tried to make this religion, this worship of Baal, as pervasive as possible. And that's just over the border from Samaria. That, that's just a few miles down the road from where Obed is. 
So not only do we have hostile nations, we have a hostile neighbor. Relatives, blood relatives. And yet as evil as the nations that surround. But it's hostile for an even another reason. In the very nation in which he lives, the man who is king is the man by the name of Pekah. Go with me, keep your finger here, back to 2 Kings chapter 15. 2 Kings chapter 15, find verse 27. In the 52nd year of Azariah, the king of Judah, Pekah, the son of Ramaliah, began to reign over Israel in Samaria, and he reigned 20 years, and he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, which he made Israel to sin. Oded, is in the midst of a hostile world. Whether it's the nations, whether it's the neighbor Judah, or whether it's his own nation. Every single king of Israel, beginning with Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin by the erecting of those two golden calves, the compromising of religious truth, Every Israelite king has followed along that path. See, in Judah, every once in a while, you get the bad guy. Every once in a while, there is a bad king. But then there's there's going to come restoration. There's going to come revival. There's going to come the Hezekiahs. There's going to come the Josiahs. There's going to be those who lead God's people back to truth. It never happens. In Israel, the cesspool just gets worse and worse and worse, and they all just add to the cesspool of wickedness. It's a hostile world. But not only does Obed come to the pages of Scripture in the midst of a hostile world, it's a hostile situation. The event that we read about upon these pages is full of hostility. Because you see, there's constant conflict between Judah and Israel. Ever since that day that Jeroboam and those consulars appeared before Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, at the very beginning of all of this and said, lower our taxes, And Rehoboam listened to the advice of the younger men rather than the older men. And he said, nope, not going to do that. I'm going to make things worse. I'm going to make it even harder on you. I'm going to tax you even more. I'm going to take your children as slaves. I'm going to push it to the limit. You think my father was bad? Wait till you have to live under my reign. And Jeroboam and those princes lead a revolt and there is a separation There's a civil war ever since that day. 200 plus years. 
these two nations have been at odds. See, that's the background, right? It's not like, oh yeah, Judah, they're nice people. No, they hate them. The people of Judah hate the Israelites, the people of Israel in the north. That bitter friction, that anger, that built-up hostility year after year after year is in the background of this situation. That's why they're at war. See, what we read was about a war, a war that takes place between Israel and Judah, between Pekah and Ahaz. Now, Pekah, to help himself out, to help his side out, has made an alliance with the king of Syria, a guy by the name of Rezin. So he and Rezin together go into Judah, and there's war. A war, sometimes we use the expression of biblical proportions. This is a biblical proportion war, right? Listen to those statistics again. What are we told about the number of dead? 120,000 men of Judah died in this war. No, yeah, that's true. But read the text. In one day. You imagine the bloodbath of that day? And these men who died were no softies. They were the men of valor. They were the best soldiers that Judah could put out there. 120,000 in a day. Think, think, I mean, we've been subjected to listening to how many deaths from COVID a day for what? March, April, May, June, July, now August. Five months, right? 125. Imagine if you opened up your newspaper tomorrow. Or you watch news tonight and you learn that there was a battle and 120,000 people in one day died. And 200,000 are taken captive by Israel. This is not a war. This is a bloodbath. This is a total defeat. This is a total humiliation. You might say, to just answer the question, how'd they get so many captives? You got to remember, war was fought differently in those days, right? Now we, we take men and we send them off and their families stay home. In those days, sometimes the families actually accompanied them. And they were the ones then who prepared the food for the soldier and so on. So sometimes this, this war is a family event. I, I still cannot get over, uh, if you ever read battles about the Civil War, I, I just can't get over it. People used to go out and watch. Let's go watch the battle. 
Let's go take the carriage, dear, and get in dressed up, and we'll take our little umbrella and our chairs, and we'll go sit and watch the battle. We'd never think about that today. Right? But that was, what, 150 years ago? We're still doing it. So that's what's going on. That's why they can take so many captives. You got 120,000 guys who die. There's nobody left to protect anybody. Israel comes in, scoops them all up. Takes them off. Hauls them back now to Samaria. That's a pretty hostile situation. Right? There's a lot of anger. There's a lot of bitterness. In fact... Note that, that one of the things that Oded says is that you killed them in a rage. You just weren't out there fighting. You were out of your mind. You, you were so bent on getting back at them. Back at them for what? For years and years and years and years of animosity. Here come these troops home with 200,000 captives. Now look at the text. Verse 9. But a prophet of the Lord was there, whose name was Oded. You know what strikes me? The first thing I read there, not that there is a prophet of the Lord, but that there is a prophet of the Lord there. Where's there? In Samaria. In the heart of the den of iniquity. In the midst of evil. In the midst of a horrific evil in the midst of an evil society, in the midst of an evil culture, led by an evil king, with evil priests, evil worship, evil religion. There, in the midst of that. But there was a prophet of the Lord there. Isn't that amazing? Isn't it amazing that in the midst of that darkness of Samaria, in the midst of all of its idolatry, God has a prophet of the Lord. There. He's not on some mountain far away writing and saying, hey, you guys, you ought to do something here. He's right there. What a blessing, right? We, we often say that that, that, that three-letter word but is so important in Scripture. Here it is again. God has not forsaken. God has left a witness there in Samaria. A man of the Lord. I'm so glad it says that because sometimes, you know, we run into these situations and there's this guy, he just appears out of nowhere and he begins these prophetic things and you're kind of left with the thing of, is this guy really a believer or is he sort of Balaam's donkey that he's just talking because God's making him talk and he's coming out and saying things? 
But does he really believe? Here it is, a prophet of the Lord. This is a man who is convicted by the truth of God, and yet he's in Samaria. He's in Samaria because that's where the Lord desires him to be, right in the midst of the capital of this nation. See, there's grace. That voice of light. That voice of truth. That voice of the word of the Lord. prophet of the Lord who speaks the word of the Lord look at verse 9 again but a prophet of the Lord was there whose name was Oded and he went out to meet the army that came to Samaria and said to them behold because the Lord the God of your fathers was angry with Judah he gave them into your hand but you've killed them in a rage that has reached up to heaven you imagine that here come back these soldiers These guys just killed 120,000 men of valor. They've got in line 200,000 captives. And here's Oded. You guys were wrong. God gave Judah into your hand because of sin. This is not politics. This is not about political alliances. This is not about what nation is better than another. Which nation is more favored than another. You won only because God is judging Judah. The judgment of God has come down upon Ahaz and upon Judah for their idolatry, for their pagan life. God has come in judgment. But you didn't go out with that in mind. You didn't go out with righteousness in mind. You went out in a rage. You went out with an attitude of now we're going to get them. You went out with a political attitude. You did not go out as God's warriors. You went out as resins warriors. You went out following the gods of this age, and you acted in a rage. I remind you of anything in the last six weeks, say? What does Odin do? He goes out and meets them. You talk about the courage of this man of God living in the midst of Samaria. Behold, he declares, God was angry. You've killed him in a rage. And you plan to take him prisoner. No, you plan to turn him into slaves. Remember where we were last week? Where are we? We're in the Old Testament. What are the Old Testament laws regarding slavery? Not your brothers, not your relatives. You are not allowed to do so. 
find the passages in Leviticus, find the passages in Deuteronomy, you may not do so. See, their plan was to violate God's truth. Their plan was to violate God's law. God gave Judah into their hand. They did so not out of righteousness. They did so out of a rage, out of anger. And they planned to do something unrighteous against God's law with those who are placed in his hand, in their hands. Don't you have your own sins to deal with? Don't you have your own immorality, your own wickedness, your own pagan thoughts? Verse 10, and now you intend to subjugate the people of Judah and Jerusalem, male and female, as your slaves. Have you not sins of your own against the Lord your God? Don't you hear the voice of Jesus there? Right? He was without the sin, first sin. You cast the first stone. prophet speaks a word about sin he speaks a word about vengeance and now he speaks a word of righteousness now hear me send back the captives from your relatives whom you have taken for the fierce wrath of the Lord is upon you and notice where he's saying this and understand the background all around this guy is hostility to the Lord all culture is against this guy. And this man steps forward to this conquering ar army and says, not only is the way in which you conquered sinful, because you did it in a rage, but what you plan to do is sinful because you're planning to enslave Your brothers, your relatives, that Leviticus tells you you can't do. You got your own sins. This is what you do. You do the righteous thing. What's the righteous thing? What's, what, what, what are the men of Israel to do? What is the righteous word of the Lord here? Send them back. You, you understand how silly that would sound? We just won. We've had these years and years and years of hostility. And we just won. We, we got 200,000 slaves. And you want us to do what? Send them back. You've sinned. There's sin in your hearts. There's sin in what you've done. There's sin in what you plan to do. You need to do the righteous thing. What is the righteous thing? What, what does that mean? Righteous. It means to do that which God commands. 
What is the righteous thing here? Send them home. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Verse 38. You have heard that it was said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if one sl- another one slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he who makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. What is perfection? Here. Love your enemies. What is Oded saying? Love your enemies. Don't take them as slaves. You don't have the right to vengeance. It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. As Paul quotes in Romans chapter 12. This is the righteous thing. Do the right thing. Do the God thing. In the midst of a society and a culture that argues against that over and over and over again. Do the right thing. Do the righteous thing. Don't do what the nations, don't do what the pagans, don't do what your enemies do. And that, my friends, is for August 30. 2020. That word of the Lord from Oded is for you and I today. Do the right thing. You're surrounded by a culture, a culture of anger, a culture of rage, a culture that has dismissed God. How are we to respond? Are we to respond like the nations, like the culture around us? Well, sometimes you read articles and you'd think that's what people think the church ought to do. Just give it back to them. If they're giving it to us, let's give them back. If they hit us on the right cheek, let's hit them. What does Jesus say? Do the right thing. My friends, the church of Jesus Christ will do more good in this world, will be a better influence in this world, will make a greater difference in this world, in this culture, when we do that which is righteous, 
What is the righteous thing? That's what Christ commands you to do. What happened? Here's this, you know, you, you, can, you can kind of think what, you know, the mass media might say about Oded, right? You can, you can probably think of what the news anchors would say. Hey, Oded went out and he met the army. You know what he told them to do? Listen to what happened. Verse 12. Certain chiefs also of the men of Ephraim, Azariah the son of Johanan, Bechariah the son of Meshiliamoth, Jehezekiah the son of Shalom, Amasa the son of Haleda, stood up against those who were coming from war and said to them, you shall not bring the captives in here. Huh, he influenced four men. For you propose to bring upon us guilt against the Lord in addition to our present sins and guilt. For our guilt is already great and there is fierce wrath against Israel. So the armed men left the captives and the spoil before the princes and all the assembly. And the men who had been mentioned by name rose, took the captives... And with the spoil, they clothed all who were naked among them. And they, they clothed them, gave them sandals, provided them with food and drink, anointed them, carrying all the feeble among them on donkeys. They brought them to their kinsfolk at Jericho, the city of palm trees. Then, then, they returned to Samaria. One guy. A prophet of the Lord goes forth and says, this isn't the way. Influences four men, five. They change the heart of the army. The army leaves all these captives, 200,000 of them. And these guys take care. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is naked, clothe him. This is the Old Testament example of Christ's teaching. The question is, in the culture, in the day, in the challenges in which you and I live, as the people of God, are we going to respond as the culture responds? Or will we hear tonight the voice of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and respond in righteousness? Let's pray. Father, our loving Savior who gave his life for us we didn't deserve it. We didn't deserve one drop of his blood. It's all by grace. Calls us in our day, in our society, in all our culture. 
to do to live righteously in regards to those who stand so violently opposed to us as believers in Jesus Christ. Oh, Father, may we, like these men of old, hear the word of Christ to us today. May we hear it afresh and may we apply it, apply it to our everyday lives as we live tomorrow. Righteously, obediently, loving even our enemy. For this is your will. This is the righteous robes of Christ that now cover us as the people of God. In his name, let us stand and go forth. And God's people say, Amen.